Good morning. Did you know that the most important thing about you is that God loves you? He loved you to the cross and back. And part of his great love is that he gives you a life that matters. You never have to wonder, do I matter? Do I count? You are number one in God's book. And he gives you opportunities every day to live a life beyond yourself. I like to call it a legacy life. This is Sue Donaldson. As you listen today, ask God, show me how to spend today investing in people and your word, because both last forever. There's no better way to live. Good morning. Today we have for you a new friend of mine, Esther Joy Getz. Did I say that correctly, Esther? You did. Yes. And does anybody ever call you Esther Joy? (laughs) Um, I was called that all of my life by my mom. <laughs> really? I'm Sue. I'm Sue Ellen. And my mother always regretted. She said, I regret we stopped calling you Sue Ellen after kindergarten. But I didn't because there was some bad character in Dallas, I think. Oh, before, right. Before your time, perhaps. I met Esther on Instagram. She is a, a fabulous Instagrammer. And the name for Instagram is Moms of Bigs. And I was thinking today that it's both endearing heartwarming and instructive. I think it's instructive as well. And so I was drawn to things that she had to say. And I know that most of my listeners are parents. And so we're going to talk a little bit about being moms of bigs. But Esther, would you first start by telling us a little bit about your family, describe your family, where you live, and how you got started in um, moms of bigs? Yes, sure. Thank you so much for having me on. This is great. I love this. Oh, good. Uh, So my family, I'm married to one uh, man. For now 31 years. Ah, congratulations. Yeah. And we have four, I call them grownish and flownish kids because probably <laughs> people know what that means. I, yes. I have this little little quote that says moms never stop momming, mm-hmm. but they are um, all in their 20s. I do have one that just hit 30 this past year. So they are all over the United States. I have two here in the Northeast kind of where I live in New Jersey, but one is in New Jersey, one's in Pennsylvania. I have one in the far Southeast that lives not too far from Miami, one in the Southwest that lives outside of LA. And then this summer, the six of us and their significant others went to the far Pacific Northwest. So we said three corners, oh. went to the four corner, the fourth Wonderful. corner. And I do have my, my one son that does live here he wants to move to Seattle. So oh. hopefully I will probably end up with four kids in the four corners, which is great for me because they're yes. all fabulous places to visit. They are great places to visit and just get those airline miles started, honey bun. Um, oh, like a, I know. On a credit get card. A, yeah. Get a credit card. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's and, right. And you asked how Moms of Bigs started. So Moms of Bigs yeah. is actually a, a child, I say. <laughs> um, I started a page called Esther the Dolly Mama. Mm-hmm. Uh, my daughter gave me the name the Dolly Mama. She said, so oh, cute. Mom, you're, you're so wise. You have a lot of stuff you've told us. Why don't you start this? So I started that on Facebook. It kind of blew up. And then I thought, you know what? I have such a heart. And there's no one, very few out there who talk about Um, parenting, sort of being a parent in this big kid space. And I say Mm -hmm. 13 to when they come off your insurance, 26. I mean, so there's, but there's more and more that do talk about the teenage years, but that those kind of in out years, the Mm -hmm. launching years of Mm -hmm. 17 to 26, I didn't find anything. And I thought, well, 
it's needed and I have a passion for it. And I know there's that quote, I'm not quite sure who it's by. It says, where the world's deep hunger and your passion lies is sort mm-hmm. of where your purpose is. Mm-hmm. And so I said, Esther, the Dolly Mama had a baby and named it Moms of Bigs. And that has just taken off on Facebook and Instagram like a landslide. I mean, I don't even know how to say it. I, I don't even, I don't think it's necessarily what I have to say. It's more that the need is there great. And hopefully the two combined, I'm such a big cheerleader for this space because mm-hmm. I would say it was my most difficult, and I still have a couple of kids in this space, um, the most difficult times of my own parenting. Well, well, when you were saying this just now, Esther, I was thinking, well, it ha- the space has been covered by those who talk about empty nesting, but then they're talking really about how a mom or a dad is uh, navigating no longer being the mom with the kids at home, whereas you are really going a little bit more specific, would you say? But how, yeah. how is that? How is that different than empty nest ministry? Yeah, I I don't talk that much about the empty nest. I'm very excited because our one son finally moved out. So I'm only about a month (laughs) into the empty nest. So it's like something to celebrate, right? Not to mourn. (laughs) So I don't have a lot to say say yet about the empty nest, but Uh um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, But I would say that the whole idea of moms never stop momming, you don't suddenly not have a relationship with these people. And the goal, your whole entire parenting has been so that you do have a relationship. I mean, that was Mm -hmm. my goal, my long-term goal when I, you know, when they said, it's a girl on my first was, I really want to have a relationship with this person for the rest of my life. And I want to have a healthy relationship with them. I want to have a relationship um, that's not based in fear, in guilt, kind of those old mindsets of, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm the parent, you're the kid, you have to, you must, you should, instead of one based, and here's my little mantra, uh, giving them the roots of absolutely unconditional love, no ifs, ands, or buts. And, and here's the harder part, the roots are the wings of freedom to be completely themselves. So that's that transition-y kind of place that people find themselves in, I think, until they breathe their final breath, is how do we continue to give our people, our kids, the roots of unconditional love? We love them, whether they're, you know, a rock star, an electrician, whether they agree with us, you know, theologically, politically, or, or whether they don't. All those re- all those things, we love them no matter what. But we also are, they are not ours. They are not mini-me's. They are, they are actually human beings and created in the image of God that are designed to be completely themselves. Mm. They, they are only, they, they are the only gift, the only gift they have to give to the world, truly the best gift is themselves. And so my job is, really for them to become that and to find that. And so that is the wings of freedom. And like, you know, we're, we joke, my husband's from Pittsburgh. We're huge Steelers fans. I'm married into it. I'm a football fan. And only one of our four kids even is a Steelers fan. One turned into a Ravens fan because she married a guy. That's like the opposite. And my two other kids could care, care less. less. <laughs> yeah. But, I you know, know, and it's like, but they mm-hmm. have their own, they just have their own life and they get to live it. 
Hmm. So that's, that's like, I, I really think parents struggle with how do we love them unconditionally? And then how do we, you know, give them those wings? Because the giving them wings, especially like in the this day and age that we're living where there's so much us, them, I don't agree with you and you don't agree with me. I just want them to be able to be completely themselves. And there so that might, was sort of my, my goal. I, I have a question. Uh, there might be someone listening today who has uh, an adult child, or se- I like to call mine semi-adult children. Baby adults. That's what I call them. Baby, baby adults. adults. <laughs> <laughs> I New need money. Adults. I need money. No. Um, who are, are struggling with self-destructive behaviors. So when they would say, oh, well, you need to give me wings. And you say, I need to clip these wings because you're going to kill yourself. Right. I mean, this is kind of getting into a dark place, but I can think that somebody would say, well, I gave them their wings and now they're hurting themselves. Do you have any counsel for that? I mean, the only counsel that I would give is because I was in that situation um, with um, one of my children where there was a lot of self-destructive behaviors. Um, and I think the wisest thing that you can do first is to get help yourself. Mm-hmm. I think that that was the best thing that happened to me was that I got, I actually went to counseling myself because I'm not able to give them what I don't have. And I only will continue down a path of, you know, destruction myself. I can't give them healing if I don't have healing. Mm. And we cannot, no matter what we want or wish or hope, we cannot solve their stuff. Mm-hmm. And you, and we just can't. That is the scariest, absolute scariest part of being a mom, especially when it gets into the big kid, an adult, mm-hmm. where you're just watching them make all kinds of decisions that you wouldn't make. And a lot of it is harmful. Mm-hmm. And so what helped me personally the most is, the one person I can change and work on is myself mm-hmm. so that I'm not perpetuating the, you know, the harm. I'm not trying to control all those things, manipulate, get, get them. So to get help yourself and then also to um, make the one thing I learned there was to make very, very, very good boundaries that protected me. Mm-hmm. And Thank so you. I had to actually move into a place where, you know what? I don't have control over them. And this is their life to live. And if they get into a situation that is horrible, and if they, God forbid, go to jail or die, the crazy thing that I told myself was, if they're in jail, then they're safe and they have a chance, you know, of a second chance. And if they die, they're safe because mm-hmm. they're with God. Yeah. And I had to really give that up. And mm-hmm. that, this is something I'm actually talking about from a very personal and thankfully that child is doing really well now, but I didn't know that for five years. Mm -hmm. It was a five-year process of me. Oh my gosh. I still have to give you the roots of unconditional love. And I still have to give you the wings of freedom. There's nothing I can really do, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but they knew he knew that we unconditionally loved him. And he knew that we were there to support him fully a hundred percent. But he also knew that he had to kind of reap the consequences and of his freedom. That's mm-hmm. that's that's what happens with freedom, right? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of um, parents um, have a hard time thinking, well, why would I need to go to therapy? This is my kid's issue. No. And so I really appreciate the fact 
uh, but you go to therapy also because, well, I just think therapy is wonderful. And I think I've been once and I thought, wow, I wish I could afford this. This is really good. And my youngest is a therapist. And so we get free therapy even when we don't want it. But yes. um, but the cool thing is, is that it, you have to really humble yourself before the Lord and say, I, and also not take on the blame. I think as moms, we immediately, as soon as the baby comes through the birth canal, we start feeling guilty. And yes. at least I did. I remember my mom, bless her heart. She just said, boy, Bonnie, you know, Bonnie was three three days old and she was changing her and she said her feet are so cold and I burst into tears well for one thing you're sleep deprived but it's like oh my gosh I feel guilty because her feet are cold cold. you know and now there's been a whole lot more things I felt guilty about with my daughters than about their feet being cold but we automatically go there and that would be yet another reason to go to therapy to say what part of this do I need to take responsibility for and ask forgiveness for? I have actually told my oldest daughter, I just want to ask forgiveness for everything because you were our firstborn and we practiced on you. And because we have a a really good relationship, she said, oh, that's okay, mom. It was very sweet. (laughs) Me me too. In fact, um, very interesting that you say that because I think everybody thinks, oh, I'm going to go to therapy and find out that I've done everything wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think the really important part for me in in this particular scenario is um, I've done, there are some parts for me to own that number one, I have to ask forgiveness for. And number two, I have to forgive a former version of myself. Oh, like I, and that was my, my oldest said to me, mom, be tender with the former version of yourself. You didn't know. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and then take ownership of that, but not fall into the, oh my goodness, it's all my fault. I'm the worst parent. There's a million things that happen to these kids. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there's a million things like they come out of the womb a certain way. There's all kinds of places that speak into their lives. And we are just one of those places. So we take ownership they take ownership and that, and hopefully they end up taking ownership. Thank goodness. My, the one, the one who was struggling, my son, he did go to therapy and got some help. We found out that he had severe ADHD and was oh just trying gosh. to regulate it all. Mm. We had no idea it was 20, 22. Mm. I mean, so I, just an interesting take, like it wasn't, he was, he didn't need to really blame himself either. Either. Right. And so when we sorted it all out mm-hmm. in a safe, place. Mm-hmm. And then we apologized. He apologized. Our relationship is so much more beautiful right. now. I have a lot of PTSD. I'm not saying I don't have PTSD. <laughs> Every time he, he says, Hey, I'm like, Oh my, <laughs> what do I have to do now? <laughs> my heart races because that those, and they will say this, that is a, that is one of the hardest, hardest parts. When you watch your child make decisions that you know are going to be harmful. Mm-hmm them that is it's terrifying so I, not to make any light of yeah. it not to say like oh just go to therapy and it's going to be fine it's like no 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 this is years of work and prayer mm-hmm. and you know um figuring it out and therapy uh, lots of work to get there and and but i always say there's always great hope the second chance the third chance the fourth chance there's always great hope always and uh god models that for us because yes. he's a god of so many different chances, infinite hope and millions of chances. My oldest brother was the black sheep of the family for many years. My mom cried all the time. And uh, later on, I remember at her memorial service, oh, he came around, by the way, 
but at not till he was 27, which sounds so young now, but at the time, you don't know, like at the beginning of those five years with your son, you don't know things are going to turn around. We don't know. And mm -hmm. so uh, Hyatt said, well, I'm just glad mom forgave me. It kind of makes me mm -hmm. cry, you know, and I was talking to him recently and he goes, well, uh, my respect for mom grew exponentially as we both got older. So it's almost like the maturing of Hyatt and my mother becoming more relaxed, you know, because you yeah. see the grace of God. Mm -hmm. My folks would always say, oh, we're not sure how these kids turned out so, so great. Well, of course, they're our biggest fans, but not everybody have parents who are your biggest fans, you know, and they go, and you guys love each other. I go, well, dad, I think we love each other better on email sometimes. And he go, what? He didn't quite get it. But, you know, we're just normal people with the grace of God and good parents who <clears> loved <throat> us, but we all make mistakes. Uh, someone might say that the definition of a mom is a control freak because we so want things to go well. And some people are more control freakish than others. Um, as you've grown as a parent, um, how have you grown as a person, Esther? Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, that is a really good question. Well, I, I have a lot more, so don't go on and on. Okay, I don't think that, I don't think that you can help but grow as a person. Mm. My kids have expanded my view of um, humanity, generosity, um, inclusivity, and how big God is. That's just what's true. They have changed me in ways that I would have never understood when I, when they said it's a girl oh. and they have been my greatest, greatest teachers when it comes to doing this life thing. Oh, isn't that beautiful? Oh yeah. my gosh. I, I, they, just, I adore them. I adore. And I can tell you do because I, I watch, follow your Instagram and I adore mine too. And I always cry a little bit when they leave. So I set up a, like a movie to watch with my husband. So I get over it. Because you know, yeah, I, don't want them, I don't want them staying here the whole time, believe me, because they, they go, what's for lunch? What's for dinner? I thought, how old are you? Um, I used to tell my mom, would you just stop worrying about me? Because I was single till yeah. I was 35. I was single till 35. So your parents worry a little bit more, but not, not necessarily. Just depends who you marry, I guess. But um, I go, mom, would you just stop worrying? You know, it's just right. not very no, spiritual. Not very spiritual is what, what I was thinking. <laughs> and she said, uh, uh, it's a mother's job to worry. And I go, oh, brother. Know, that's just go have your quiet time mom or something like that you know I, I wouldn't say that of course but because she wouldn't like it but later then I would I say I worry and my kids will say stop freaking out mom it's gonna be stop freaking out relax freaking that was my least relax. favorite word oh relax. yeah just relax. just let it go mom and so I, I think the whole process of growing for me as a person to answer my own question is to let it go and to let them go like you said to give them wings um, you already answered one question I had earlier, which was, was the hardest part. Uh, I think you had the hardest part about being a mom is to see them do things that could be harmful. What's the best part about being a mom? Um, oh, so many. A friend of mine asked uh, me, like, why should I be a mom? She was contemplating whether or not she should have kids. Oh. And uh, it was a couple, actually, my husband and I mentored when they were engaged, they got married and they'd been married like five, six years. And at that point, and she's like, Esther, tell me why I should have kids. Mm. And I said to her, well, it's not safe. <laughs> and, um, but it's good. It's not safe, but it's good. And it's good in all of the ways that I would say are stretching and growing, but you get love 
and joy and hope and you get things that you can never get if you're not one. Mm. And I would say that that un, the the best part for me and happened when actually was when my fourth was born. She was unconditional love in a body. She still is. And I would say that she helped me to unconditionally love myself. Mm. Wow, what a gift. And that has happened with the rest of my kids as I gave them opportunity. Mm. I didn't know, and they unconditionally love me. Mm. So when you feel, when you have unconditional love in your life, why wouldn't you want more of it? Mm. Right? Those are the people I want to be with. And that's why I always say, that's why my mantra is give your kids the roots of unconditional love. Because when you have unconditional love for them, when people feel unconditionally loved, they want to be with you. Mm. They want that in their lives. There's no like forcing people to be with you on a Sunday or on a vacation or whatever. They mm. want to be where they feel unconditionally loved, mm. not smothered. There's a big mm. difference. Yeah. That's why it has to be both. Well, I was, um, I was thinking that when I became a parent, that's what I I wouldn't say fully understand, of course not, but I understand more fully my relationship with God. Yeah. Because that is the epitome of his love for us is unconditional. And we put so many conditions and stipulations on, well, I don't really like that person or what that person's so annoying or if they don't only change. And God's saying, I just love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And I, and I, years ago, I was just struck by, uh, I had taught the book of Ephesians like a couple different times. And it, but this, I think, was just in my quiet, my reading time, Ephesians 3, where, where Paul, Paul is, you know, praying that we would understand the depth and the width and everything of God's love. I, I can never remember the, you know, all the, the height. I was not a math major. But anyway, it was all big, right? And I thought, if he is, if Paul is praying to understand the love of God, I am going to pray that as my number one prayer for my children, that they will know the vastness of God's love for them. Because after I die, or whatever decisions they make poor or good, that is what will hold them in good stead. And you as a mom and me as a mom, we are representatives of the vastness of God's love, even though we can't do it as perfectly. So it's really a great privilege. I too have friends who are saying, I'm not sure we'll have children. And I don't want to ever come in negative, like, well, that's kind of selfish because it's not, I mean, it's not, it's hard. You're right. It's not safe, but is, I never even wanted to have children. I just wanted to have sex. So I got married and then I had children. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. (laughs) I'm not sure I've ever said that on the air, but, um, it's, but why not say it yeah. on the air? It's and then true. I had this third one at almost 44 and I go, what? And she is magical. That's you know, so God funny. is so good. Um, I have, a, I have, I don't know if you've heard this expression by Philip Yancey. He, he um, talks about breaking the chain of ungrace. And I talk about that when I speak on hospitality, because Um, My mother was the queen of hospitality, but when I asked her once, I was sort of like doing an interview with her back when I first started speaking on this like 25 years ago, uh, she said, oh no, I wasn't, I, I hadn't, I didn't know anything about hospitality. My mother never had anybody over. We didn't have enough food for ourselves, much less. And my mother was grumpy. I mean, she told me all sorts of things that I didn't know. And I go, well, then how did you become this way. But see, I was four or five kids, Esther. So by the time I came along, she had learned it. So when I talk about this phrase of break, she broke the chain of ungrace for herself, because she saw the value of it. 
So what steps do you recommend to a mom who may want to do something different, not to get into something too deep here, because you're not a psychologist and we don't have the time. Oh, I was a psych major. <laughs> well, that's that's pretty good too. I was an English major. I'm not sure what that means. Um, it's, is that what would you recommend to someone who goes, you know what, my mom was good, but I don't want to raise my kids in this particular way. I want to break some sort of a, I want to change the legacy to go into with my podcast thing here. What yeah, would you say? So, so I love that, that um, I, I've written a whole blog actually on this whole getting rid of ungrace, oh. um, believe it or not. And that is actually a great place to land right here, because I think that as well-meaning as my parents were generations before them, I think everybody's well-meaning, but I, I feel like I was raised definitely in the space of, I had to be perform in order to be accepted and wanted and loved. Mm. I, you know, I, I was a praise junkie and then it kind of morphed into this place where I had to earn approval and love mm. you know, from those in my path. Mm -hmm. And If I didn't do those things, then I didn't deserve anything. And I actually deserve to be punishment punished. And that's kind of that mm -hmm. ungrace face. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense to me why I strive so hard and why, like even you and I talked about why sometimes we I want to give up. It's like, oh, I'm not getting any kind of praise for all this work I'm doing or any kind of, hmm. I don't know, acceptance for all this effort. And I, and, and then, you know, you get these children and you move into them becoming adults. I think I do only want them to live in this place where they are, they belonged before they behave, which is grace that they don't have to do anything to earn my love and acceptance so that they can then live from a place of love and belonging and acceptance instead of for a place. Yeah of love, yeah. belonging, and acceptance. Because when we live for a place of love, belonging, and acceptance, like I had, I have for so long, and I think not just my parents, but the, the systems I was in, school, education, mm -hmm. religious, whatever, you're just constantly striving. And it's almost like a big stranglehold around it your is. neck. Mm -hmm. But when you live in a place of, of unconditional love, belonging, and acceptance, and you live from that, that's freedom. Mm -hmm. Then you yeah. live in a place of freedom and then you can become your complete self. Mm -hmm. I mean, then my kids are like, I can go out. I can move to the four corners of the country. <laughs> and my mommy's not going to go, don't do that. <laughs> you don't want to do that. That's unsafe. That's not good. You know, that won't make me happy. Mm -hmm. I can grieve that they're far away, but they still belong to me no mm -hmm. matter what. I can, and, and I have to do my own job of grieving there. I can, I, you know, I can maybe uh, watch them do things that I wouldn't necessarily do or believe things I wouldn't necessarily believe, but I can still love them with no strings attached. Mm -hmm. They're still completely accepted by me. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's just the bottom line. That is the end. That's grace. Mm -hmm. And to live in a space, live in a, in a, I, I call it grace and space to live where we have grace for who our kids, who we've been, who our kids have been, but also space for who we were becoming and who they're becoming. That's wide open then. That is wide open. Mm -hmm. And that's a good landscape for me to stay in as I'm navigating, you know, now really adult kids. Not only that, that's when they'll come back and talk to you. Because 100%. if you feel, if you feel condemned, 
You're not going to share your struggles because you'll just feel further condemned. And I, and to give grace to our older generation parents, they didn't talk about things like this, No, uh, you know, until they got older and they became more true to themselves as well. And by then all of our raising was done. Right. Mm -hmm. So I totally offer grace to uh, those who've gone before my own parents who are imperfect, but uh, did give that, that, that grace as much as they could, let's put it this way. Uh, yeah, and I'm giving and it I as feel much like as I I'm giving as much as I could. Another question, um, as you parent in different seasons, what has helped you most in raising your kids and switching? It's almost like we have a different role, I would say we have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> our roles change because when your kids were three, you didn't say, have wings, go across the street. No, exactly. So well, well, it's age-appropriate okay. wings. Okay, age-appropriate <laughs> i know because i went to i went to uh like i went to brazil for two years and my mother cried for a week and i go why because i was having a blast you know i was being a missionary and and uh then my kids you know moved to san francisco and i cried so it's just so it's just so funny but what would you appropriate okay age approach so what has helped you though as a mom to navigate a different age appropriate season. Like it, to me, I call it a season because it's almost yeah. like a role. All roles change a little bit. We have to Oh, a hundred percent. Okay. Good. So, so what helps to. you to do that? Well, and I, I say it's like one, one day, one moment, one decision, one, one step at a time, right? One season at a time. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have teenagers when your kids are three. You don't have to worry about teenagers when your okay. kids are three. So you do what's good in that season and you've, you know, you plant little seeds as they go along, little seeds of this, little seeds of unconditional love, little seeds of freedom. Hey, no, you don't get to run out on your bike by yourself, but hey, do you want to go in and choose your clothes for kindergarten? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Do you want to go in, go in and choose your clothes for kindergarten? Hey, do you want to have a play date across the street? Yes. And then you just keep planting seeds of like unconditional love and seeds of freedom so that they know that at some point, and this is my favorite thing, that those will bloom in their hearts one day. They're going to bloom. So the biggest thing I could say is keep the end in mind. And I still have an end. My end is now like I have grown kids, but I keep thinking like 10 years, 20 years down the road. I still want them to be like exactly what my daughter did last night. She has a little four-year-old. She said, mom, this happened at, you know, the babysitter. What do I do now? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is I just, me. I just get so excited thankful and excited Mm. because she just trusts me and I trust her. And then sometimes Mm. I'm like, Sarah, what should I do with this? You know, and she, you know, and she helps me. And so moving, I think we're all, and she's cute. She's a second grade teacher. And so she says, we're all learners. This is her little class mantra. And we're all (laughs) teachers. Mm. And that's kind of what you do along. You're always going to be a learner and a teacher when your kids are three, you're learning all kinds of things. You're teaching all kinds of things. And then they're eight and, you know, you're teaching differently or you're, you've moved into more of like a, you know, you're a protector. Then you're sort of, I, I don't know all the different roles. And then at this point now, people say we're in the coaching phase. I just say, I'm kind of not even in the coaching. I have to be in the like agenda list stage where I don't have any more agendas. I'm not even coaching. I'm only there when they ask. Mm-hmm. it's like I'm there and they know all of this and I've done all this work and when they ask for a recipe or advice or whatever mm-hmm. they know that I'm there now a couple of them still in the coaching phase yeah. you know I'm just I still have but yeah so I love just that because when we have when we have it when I have an agenda 
uh, I get disappointed or I oh, get yeah. frustrated. And that's true with my husband. You know, I am an oh, agenda. Yeah. You with everybody. Like this. Yeah. And so to be, uh, I so admired um, before I was married, I admired my sister's in-law. Both of them had wonderful relationships, have wonderful relationships with their kids. And I thought, wow, they're more like friends. And I was so much younger. And then later I thought, it's turned out it's pretty well. You know, I mean, some kids, some of my girls share more than others. It's just who they are oh, as yeah. a person. Personally. And uh, also some are not as grown up in that area as well, too. <laughs> but yeah. they have become friends. So they, I can't have an agenda, you know, if I want to say, and if I, tr- and I, if I, even if I try to cover it up, we're so good at manipulation. You know, it came back with, eight, you know, Eve started us off on this. We're so good at hiding something, but they, they, they're so quick and they know what's happening and it turns the wrong way. So it's just better. It's kind of like offering your life to God every day. Lord, what is it you want me to do today? And there's no agenda that I'm giving the Lord. So I don't want to give it to my children as well. And then that's when they'll want to come back and talk to us. Oh yeah. What do you feel is your legacy? Since Uh, this is a legacy podcast, you have a, I've been mulling over this question. Actually, I knew you were going to ask it all day. (laughs) And I would say my, I just do want, I, this is what I would, this is kind of my mantra. Another mantra I've had as a mom, I'm a writer and you're a writer. And I just love having my voice out there. I'm happy to come on the podcast. I want my voice, but I have thought quite a bit about what it really means to be a mom. And what, what I've sort of changed on this is sometimes the most powerful voice you can have is when others have theirs. And so for me, the legacy that I would want to leave is that my four kids get to be completely themselves, and then they have a voice out into the world as the gift that they are. Say that again. The most powerful voice you have is? When when you help others find theirs. And I, I think that that is what I would hope to be giving my kids, that they would have their own voice. And then that, you know, that they would have their own voice and that they would, obviously that, and I've talked about this ad nauseum at this point, (laughs) that they would have the the wings of freedom to be completely themselves and then in themselves, that their voice would be kind of loud and clear. Hmm. It's, I'm going to be dead and gone and they're going to be leaving their own legacies. So my my legacy is for them to have a legacy, if that makes sense, for mm-hmm. them to have a voice. I'm having my voice. It's great. I like my voice. It's a good one, but it's just one. Mm-hmm. And then- to promote when others have a voice, just like what you're doing on this podcast, you're giving voices, you're giving me a chance to have a voice. Hmm. Thank right? you. That's, enc- that's encouraging. So some days I want to quit. Exactly. So that like, and I think like what, are, it's not just like one little voice that gets to rule the world. It's mm-hmm. all of our voices together mm-hmm. where we make up each other. We learn and we grow and we change. That's the beauty of it. So yeah, my legacy to my kids specifically would be that they would be completely themselves and that their voice would be heard, that they would share their voice with the world and how whatever you, world they want to share it with. And how are you living that right now? Oh, well, uh, probably they know I would try to get them yes. on every podcast and I write about them all the time. And in fact, it's interesting to be able to say this, like you just said before, they're so completely different. Um, and so one is a high introvert and he's, he, he would come on, he would talk, I would sure on a podcast if I asked him to, and he, they allow me to write about them all the time, but others would not. 
And so they need to be able to have their own voice and whatever that voice means. And so allowing them and giving them room to be themselves and having to navigate that they're not me. Mm -hmm. They're not me. And so, yeah, I'm trying very hard to let them be them no matter what. And that means our introvert son who moved out, he's willing to have dinner with us maybe like once every couple of weeks, even though he only lives 20 minutes away, you know, he's like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I mean, it just, he's in it. He's a high introvert. So yeah, that, that's how I'm trying to live it out now is really constantly reminding myself that the end goal is a relationship with them and the end goal is for them to be completely themselves. And I got to make tiny decisions every single day. Mm -hmm. And boy, they remind me when I forget. Yeah, me too. <laughs> They're good little checkers. Um, they're like, uh, remember you- that thing you have on your pod? You remember that thing you have on your mom's a big page? Well, you know, I don't feel like I could be myself right now. Okay. Oh gosh, I know. <laughs> That's the bad thing if they read your stuff. Yeah, um, you've probably answered this already, Esther, but in a few words, what challenges did you need to overcome to pass along that legacy? Uh, the control freak. Ah, like you said, <laughs> absolutely 100% the control freak. Mm-hmm. And I think the control freak comes from fear. Oh, it totally comes from fear. And fear comes from love right. often. I agree. It can, it can we love, also we come, worry so much because we love so much. And then it gets warped. It, right. Yes. It mm-hmm. comes from love. We love. So then we have fear and then we have fear. And then the twisted version of love, which isn't love at all, right, is control. As control. And also I was thinking that some people fear because they fear what other people think of them. And that's because they were not loved unconditionally or they don't, they may have, but they didn't accept it or they didn't know that God couldn't accept it. Or God didn't, they didn't understand God's all encompassing love. And so when you're that way, then, then you can't really love with freedom and without fear. Yeah. Control that the control freak thing was the biggest. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And so you're totally over it now? Is that oh, right? <laughs> Just thought I'd throw that in there. Bits and starts. It's better, but yeah, boy, I'll, I'll tell you, I know mm. when it comes back in, when I, like yesterday, mostly comes in my head because I don't necessarily want to say it to my kids, but I sure. spin around in my head all the time like, oh no, what if they're not doing mm-hmm. this or that and this mm-hmm. and that? And, I, and so it's more of an internal control. Mm-hmm. I am spinning, spinning, spinning. And then it does come out. Like even last weekend, mm-hmm. I said to my, my, my husband's parents are very elderly and they we were supposed to go away to see them. And I said to him, well, you know, they're going to die. And he was like, Oh my gosh, what are you trying to control me? And I was like, oh, uh, you're right. Totally sorry. That's mm-hmm. your decision to make. But yeah, so fits and starts. Fits and fits starts. And fits and starts. I but I totally bits. know when it's happening. The awareness is completely yeah. there now. Yeah. And 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 mm-hmm. if it's not there, I'm being called out on it. Believe me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and we we want to be, even though it's painful. Oh, be I, I welcome it, it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't say I will welcome it, but yeah. Oh, Once- yeah. Well, I welcome it only in that. Hopefully it would make me better and stop doing this stuff. That's going to ruin it, ruin it. The last question is how does your life embody God's welcoming heart? And I don't mean just hospitality. I mean, God's welcoming Welcoming inclusive. So um, when I saw your question on this, I, I thought about the thing that was said at my 50th birthday. Uh, I had, my husband was so great. He had a 50th birthday me with a bunch of people and I'm a words of affirmation person. So everybody got up and said something that was all Mm -hmm. I needed. I didn't care where we were, what we were. He just said, and a friend of mine said to to me, uh, she said, you're the one of the, you're the opposite of a mean girl. 
Mm-hmm. You're one of the most inclusive person I've ever met. And I will say, I have red hair, which you probably can't see. I do too. You I do can see. see, yes. So you can see, but our, maybe the listeners can't oh. see. <laughs> and um, as a little girl, I felt always on the outside because I had red hair. And something in me as a little girl knew that that was wrong mm-hmm. and knew that we never, ever need to exclude anybody. Mm-hmm. And I knew in my core, in my gut, at the really in my bones, that God loved me no matter what, even mm-hmm. with my red hair and my very mm-hmm. talkative mouth and all those things. Mm-hmm. But I knew, I knew I had some, like, I think the Bible talks about the anchor of hope for your soul. I had something inside of me that, that was sure probably my learning about Aslan and all that good stuff. But I, I, I did have that, but I knew that, that my job was for other people to belong. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost so, it is so hard for me to like make boundaries because of that. That's also another thing I've had to get over. That was probably my biggest thing I had to learn in counseling was it's okay to make boundaries. Like mm-hmm. everybody, you can have a yard, you can ha- let people in and out of your yard. But I do think that that is the welcoming, inclusive heart of God. Everyone is welcome at the table. Everyone is welcome at my table. Mm-hmm. Um, an older mom said to me, this is, this is what she said to me when my oldest turned 13, love who they love and love what they love. End of story. It's been hard for me at times because, you know, who, who they love, like friends have been like, oh, they're a bad influence or partners. I'm like so nervous about their partners. But I took that on and I said, yes, I'm going to love who they love and what they love. I don't have to like what they love. Like I'm talking about love, poor time, energy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, my, it's hard because when people break up with people or people move on, my heart is broken because I me love too. that person. <laughs> Me too. I love them. But I want everyone to feel included at my table. I every I don't care who you are. Mm-hmm. I don't care. You are welcome at my table. And that's I I was it was it made my heart so happy when that woman said to me at my 50th because I thought oh, that's exactly mm-hmm. who and what I want to be. Mm-hmm. And that she that's recognized beautiful. that in me was just huge. So yeah, I oh my gosh, because God it, that's who he is. Mm-hmm. He is. Yep, that's the name of my new book. If I ever decide to write it, it's called. Oh, what In- is it? Include, connect, invite. So there we go. I'll, I'll have to quote you. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I'd rather have a party than write about it. So that's my problem. Yeah, me too. Uh, and I still have Christmas presents in the garage for boyfriends that we're broken up with. So I'm hoping they'll come back. But you just never know. Oh my gosh. I thought, oh my goodness. It, but that's that's part of loving, right? I mean, it's, it's part, part of, of actually, loving. Yeah. It's part mm-hmm. of welcoming mm-hmm. is when you when lo- loss. And I would say, yeah, it's not, you know, it's not safe, but it's good. It's always my, good to love. I told my mother uh, as a child that when I turned 16, I was going to dye my hair black like my Barbie doll. And she got so nervous because red hair was like so special, but I just, and it wasn't in style, you know? No, it and, wasn't in style. And, I, and uh, now it is, and who cares, right? But that's because I'm 70 and I don't really care. But um, thank you. This has been so much fun. And, yeah, uh, and I know your words will meet uh, the hearts of all my listeners because we're all in a different Uh, seasons of parenting. And even if we're not parents, like God hasn't blessed our womb, or we're not married that we, I love being an extra parent. I have lots of, Oh my gosh. And I I bet you do as well because they feel welcome. 
at our yeah. table. And that's been a blessing to our children that we're both that way. So Esther, you've been uh, so much fun. And I hope we can continue our relationship. And thanks for your time. Thank you. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.